Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Mind Mastery Education. I'm your host, Drew, and we have with us ADH Greg. So today's episode is going to be something that we actually discussed in a DM on TikTok when we first met. <laughs> and it was, my question to you was, what are the top three most undercovered ADHD subjects that you thought we could talk about a little bit more um, and kind of broaden about? So today we're going to talk about uh, ODD versus PDA. We're going to talk about um, misdiagnosis and overlaps, relationships with ADHD, and not being, you know, as difficult as everybody says it is. Uh, and lastly, ending the war between the neurodivergence and the neurotypical. What do you think about today's episode? It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I like it. I like it. There's some good stuff there. Mostly because I think, you know, we, we say underrepresented, underrepresented topics but i think it's just stuff that's misunderstood or or stuff that just nobody's really taken the time to sit and clarify properly and i think with the the research that i've done and, and sort of the stuff that i've experienced i'm looking and the comments i get i'm sort of looking at the stuff going there are subtleties and context here that i think we're missing or there are these blanket statements like relationships with neurodivergence where i'm just like mm, i think you're i think you're trying to make it sound harder than it is yeah, almost generalizing, I think, right? I think it misrepresents neurodivergence, but it also misrepresents relationships. Yeah, because just that in general. Is, <laughs> yeah, it's complex, right? But it doesn't, you know, it's 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 exacerbated by so many variables. You can't just lay it all at neurodivergence feet. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, think, let's let's talk about our first subject then, and we'll we'll kind of break it down. Um, sure. As we as we go, so the first subject is um, ODD versus PDA. First of all, for those that don't know, what's ODD and what's PDA? This this kind of answers the question in and of itself. <laughs> so ODD is oppositional defiant disorder, which I was taught by a professional is characterized as a a um, sort of disdain or 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 disrespect towards authority only if the authority isn't good at its job, right? So this is where I think it becomes important to be very, very specific. Some people will not have ODD towards their parents, and some people will. And the difference is not so much that their parents are different. It's that one parent is good for that child and the other parent is not. So like, I didn't have ODD for my mother. I was never a, a, a total dickbag to my mom. Um, but I wasn't exactly um, calm and respectful all the time to other adults in my family and other adults in my life, um, except for two adults who are my, my friend's parents, um, who I met when I was like 13. And I have never felt ODD towards them at all because they have always been so good 
Like, like not like, oh, they let me get away with whatever the hell I wanted. No, they were good parents. Discipline, structure, love, right? Yeah. Um, but ODD affects people with their bosses, people with their families, people with, I mean, depending on the situation, some people have it with their peers, their friends, you know, if, if there's like a hierarchical structure. But ODD is specifically a disrespect towards authority that our brain has figured is bad at being an authority. TDA is pathological demand avoidance, which is, I think, trauma-based mostly, but it's ADHD has a lot, which is if somebody were to demand something of you without respect or manners of any kind, your instant reaction is, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's almost bratty, but, but that, that also feels kind of dismissive. So like PDA, you can be asked to do a thing and you'll do it. But if somebody demands that you do a thing, you won't do it on principle almost. But it's not authority specific. PDA is is request specific. It's demand specific. I, my own my own friends have seen PDA come out of me. You know, so it's they are very similar conditions. Don't get me wrong; they do manifest in very similar ways. But I see a lot of people confuse one for the other. And I wouldn't be so passionate about this if it weren't for the fact that I've spoken with actual psychological professionals who have explained the difference to me, mostly because they were diagnosing me with both. <laughs> but yes, essentially, while they do seem to be the same, I, I like to say that they're siblings, but not twins. Um, ODD is definitely authority-based. PDA is definitely, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And they both have reactions that are very similar. It's very much a fuck you reaction. But the way the stimulus presents sets off a different, because human brains are so complicated and so dense that you can manifest two separate traits in a similar reaction you know what i mean right. yeah. so like the ultimate would be if a terrible authority figure demanded something of you you would then get odd and pda <laughs> all at the same time um but i think that one that one's important to address because i think a lot of people mix the two of them up or feel that they have a handle on one so they confuse the other for so it's it's a thing of like nobody's exactly wrong about any of it it's just that i think while the differences are small, they are important. Right. Okay, and to follow up that question, what would be ways to help us, maybe not resolve, but correct these types of behaviors in ourselves or to allow us to continue, you know, let's say a conversation with our boss, even though, you know, maybe we're having a little bit of the, the PDA or, or whatever, right? Like, how do we continue, especially in a, in a career-based situation where you have to work with mm. this person, you still need to be professional, right? So how do you do a fuck you, I won't do what you tell me without doing that to your boss, let's say? I think the first part of that, it's important to note that we, we can adapt. Our reaction can be internal, but we are we are smart enough to know that there are certain situations where you just don't react the way you want to react we call it masking yeah. we the thing is i think 
a lot of people that happened on, on the video I was doing on PDA. I think a lot of people mistook it as this is the only function we have. No, we know what PDA is. We can feel it happening. That does not mean we have to react to it the way we want to. And yeah, I get that. But I think when it comes to situations where, you know, your career is at stake or, um, you need to sort of advance in some way. It's important to think of it this way. PDA is very simple to avoid. Let's say you're the neurotypical trying to address a neurodivergent and you don't want to make them feel like this. This one's real simple. It's actually annoyingly simple. Um, don't be a dick to people. If somebody were to speak to you like trash, how would you feel? Okay, so don't do it back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody were to make you feel PDA, check your surroundings. Don't, don't just explode because the problem with a lot of these, these neurodivergent situations is that they will use, at the moment, there are a lot of people who will use your neurodivergence against you. They'll say, well, you acted like that because you have ADHD. Like, no, I acted like that because you were being a dickbag but I didn't uh, filter my reaction because I have ADHD. Um, so it's important to sort of remember that, you know, we are not just ADHD. There's a lot more to us than that. And we can, we can pick our battles. It's difficult. I'm not going to deny that, but it can be done. With ODD, if you have a terrible boss <laughs> and they are never going to get any better, maybe try and avoid them in the most professional way possible. Don't commit to any, uh, shall we call, career-limiting moves. But at the same time, if your boss sucks and you don't have to spend too much time in their presence, then just don't. You know, like, limit your interactions as best you can. In time, there will be a better boss. The world is changing for the better. And some of the old ways that I think a lot of us would have experienced at work are going away, which is good, you know? Um, but it is it is something you need to be aware that you may have, understand what that feels like, and when it starts, anticipate a reaction that does not get you fired. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I think it's uh, such good knowledge that you just gave us because the way I see it is like, in the future, we will be the bosses we will understand what others like us are going through and we'll be able to filter that much better because we understand. And I'm not saying that every neurotypical is unable to talk to us in a respectful manner because that's not at, at all true. There's very many, you know, normal people that can have conversations with us and never, you know, trigger PDA or ODD. There's many of us. But... um us, you know, growing and understanding and learning of what we are learning. And even just by you explaining this on the podcast, anybody that listens will have a better understanding of how ODD or PDA works. And maybe that will save their job. Who knows, right? Because right. now they, they understand how it works and maybe they can put it into practice. I'm not saying the first time that you do it, you're going to be perfect at it. But, you know, with practice and you know, determination, you'll get there, I promise. <laughs>
There may be awkward conversations in your future, but you'll get through it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so in at to that end, how do we bridge that gap? I think education and communication is going to be the only way we sort of bridge any of these gaps, how we solve these these issues. It's it's time, which we're not great at, patience that we're terrible at. <laughs> um, but communication and education, these are these are muscles that need to be worked on to improve them. So the more we communicate, the better we get at it. The more we learn, the better we get at teaching others how to to understand these things. And neurotypicals are not some goblin living in the in the in the cupboard. Like they are human beings who can also understand stuff. So it 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 does fall to us now, neurodivergence, to teach others. Because for a lot of us, we've started to learn things that even our own doctors didn't really pay that much attention to. So we're becoming the educators of our own existence. And over time, we will hopefully <laughs> have educated enough that we won't have to keep doing it. Um, all change takes time. Uh, you know, in the in the early 1900s, nobody understood what homosexuality was properly, except people who were homosexual. And over time, we have learned from them, you know, those of us that are actually giving a shit and paying attention but um we have learned from them <laughs> that the experience as we understood it is not true that the stereotypes as we understood them were not true and it's becoming that same thing for neurodivergence where it's like we have sort of appeared as it were um you know even though neurodivergence has probably been around since humans started walking on land but now that we're starting to pay attention to it those who are neurodivergent are becoming the leaders of explaining neurodivergence to the world. So I think the only way to bridge that gap is that it's to communicate and educate as best you can with the frustration that comes with it, with the impatience that comes with it. And in time, it's essentially we are planting trees in whose shade we may never sit. I like that. It's very true. Yeah, the, it, it it just makes you open your eyes, right? And like, for those of you listening, how is somebody going to help you if they don't understand you, right? So in order for them to understand you, you need to be able to express and explain yourself, right? And I know that's, I, I know that's difficult, especially for some of us that have, you know, the big ADHD, like it's, it's very hard. But if you can do it and if you can push yourself through that, I promise you that the people that you're talking to that need to understand you more and better, they will help you in the long run if they if they're if they are worth their their weight at all mm -hmm. and understand and are willing to help you. Those people will make your life brighter, not darker. Right. Because they understand you and they can help you through whatever you're going through, whatever the case is. It even goes towards like practitioners doctors and things like that like how is somebody supposed to help you if they don't get what's going on with you right and it's like when you go to the doctor's office and tell them what's wrong like ooh, my pinky hurts well like you need to be more detailed right because your pinky hurts could be 75 different things you know versus oh you have adhd right how do you get diagnosed how do you go you know, towards that, that end, if you're not even diagnosed yet, and you want to be diagnosed, or you need to be diagnosed, you know, because maybe you're really struggling in your life, 
let me put it this way. When I was a kid, I struggled a lot through school, and I struggled a lot through even just regular conversations with people because I wasn't very social. But once I got diagnosed, there was some benefits to that even in school when people didn't understand ADHD as much as they do now. They were able to not segregate, but they were able to put you with other people that are similar to you, and you learn from those people over time as well, right? Like, And these teachers that I was with understood me better than I understood myself at that time because I was still a kid. So they were able to teach me things that without them, I don't think I would have survived in the world because like, I, I just didn't have the wherewithal to learn that stuff myself because I was so distracted with, oh, look, that flower is blue and it's blooming in the field over there. I can see it through my window, you know, like because I'm not even paying attention to class. Like I'm looking out the window and I've, I've completely spaced. Mm. And, you know, then there's the opposite where some people are taking the medication because they were told that it's going to help them when or it's going to cure them. Sorry, when it doesn't. Right. Like that. The medication is not a cure. It's something that will help you cope and it will help you get through certain things. And even for some people, it won't at all. It won't help at all, like whatsoever. So it really depends on the situation. But I think that that communication is the, is the key piece that, mm -hmm. that Greg mentioned is like, you really need to communicate with the people that you're struggling with, or even the people that you're not struggling with. Everybody likes communication. Well, the people that are worth their salt in anything are like mm -hmm. communication, but like you, you you need to have those conversations, good or bad, to move forward. Hmm. Well, the evolution of the human race was to create language. Use exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Use that language to help yourself and help others. That's literally something I just learned a month ago. And that's why I'm using TikTok now and doing this podcast is not necessarily for me. It's for you guys. It's for people that are still learning and people that want to know more. and understand ADHD better because I have a pretty good understanding of myself now, which has been a long time coming and a struggle for many years. But now that I understand myself more, I can help others that, hey, and maybe I'm not perfect. Nobody is. But now that I understand more, I can help people that don't know anything or don't know, you know, or haven't been part of ADHD before. They've never had it in their family. And let's just say a new couple has, you know, begun seeing each other and one of them has neurodivergence. They might not understand all the nuances, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's something that could be a struggle, but you can get through it. And there's people there to help you with those nuances too. That kind of segues us into the next question, actually. Um, mm -hmm. But relationships with ADHD and Greg, we, we talked about this a little bit off podcast, but what what is it with people thinking that relationships with people that have ADHD is harder? Like, what yeah, is see, that? I don't, <laughs> I don't get why that's a, a thing. Cause I, like, all right. So there seems to be this school of thought of like two neurotypicals together works two neurodivergence together probably works, but you take one of each and make a couple and suddenly it doesn't work. Like, no, that, Relationships are far more complicated and far more simple than what your neurotype does. Because I think, I think what this, this ideology does is it doesn't just 
sort of short circuit the understanding of neurodivergence, but it it sort of belittles the concept of relationships. They take work. They take um, getting to know a person sort of intrinsically and then living with that person long term, right? So what you're essentially doing is you're slamming a whole bunch of ideas together. One is educate yourself on that person. Now, if that person is neurodivergent, then educate yourself on neurodivergent. But we don't seem to say stuff like, what if that person is Hindi? Could it be harder now? No, you learn what it takes to be with somebody who is Hindi. So you're still learning the other human being. Like, do we say, oh, well, if you take a neurodivergent man and a neurodivergent man or a neurotypical man, now it's going to be complicated. You're like, no, you, you have to learn the other person. Like, relationships are not just, well, we find each other attractive and we like to have a laugh, so that's it. No, these people have so many intricacies and 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 quirks and hang-ups and baggage and issues and and loves and hates and favorite colors. Like there's so much more to it than just neurotype. And I don't think a relationship with a neurodivergent person is harder or easier. I think it's just a relationship. Right. There are so many variables to take into account anyway. So you're just a, taking on another another thing that you need to understand about that person if you want to stay with them long term. You know, we, you know, we're talking about relationships like, is it harder to stay with a neurodivergent for 20 years? It's not harder. It's not easier. It's, it, it's a relationship. There, there are so, yeah, I think this question always sort of baffles me because I'm like, I, I don't think the issue you need to hang on to is neurodivergence in this situation. I think what you need to see is that there is a lot of work required to maintain any kind of relationship. My wife and I were talking about this a while ago. There's this thing that people say in movies and TV shows where they're, you know, where two characters are about to get divorced and they say, oh, he's not the man I married. And it sort of got me thinking and I was like, isn't that a good thing? Would, I mean, if you've been with the same person for 30 years and they haven't changed, they haven't grown, they haven't become anything new, wouldn't it be a wouldn't it be bad if they were the same person you married? Because my wife and I've been married for three years. I'm definitely not the man she married. In a good way, I have grown as a human being. Like you don't want people to stay in the same place forever. You don't want that's the, the, the term I like most is when people say they want to grow old together because of the word grow. You become something else because of who you're with, not because of some neurotype you you, yeah. you change it's the evolution of the relationship mm. right like it, it it's not staying the same it's it's evolving and growing as time passes which i think is is awesome because yeah like if it was just the same thing and it never changed is it really a good thing i don't yeah. i don't think so right like i'm i learn every day i learn something new every day and that makes me a better person in the long run because now i have more knowledge i may i may even act differently or change because of the things that i've learned in a good way right like especially Ooh. about adhd like and just neurodivergency in general even learning more about neurotypicals <laughs> for me because you know like it, it's one of those things where it's like oh wait you guys don't do that like to me it was the the baffling subject of 
inner monologue where, you know, not everybody has one. Yeah, that blew my mind. I'm like, wait, what? You don't have a voice talking in your head all the time? 24-7? Constantly? Like, jeez. Like, wait, hold on. You have silence in your head? Oh, no, no, no. I wish. (laughs) Like, that that would be so peaceful. If if I could switch it on and off, because this is the thing. It makes me very uncomfortable if I think about it for too long. Yes. If I think, what would silence be like in my brain for longer than an hour? I think I'd freak out. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so, but I think that's because I'm so used to it. Yeah. But this is the thing: it's like you know, people talk about like neurodivergent relationships, and all I keep thinking is like, if you aren't compatible because of someone's neurodivergence, and you don't rub it in their face, I think that would be fine. But every relationship really just needs empathy, respect, and communication. Everything else can chop and change. People change. The older you get, the more your body changes. Your your uh, requirements for attraction are different, etc. If you treat another per- another human being like a human being, communicate problems when they come up, and fight each when you argue, argue with respect. You'll be fine. It doesn't matter if they're neurodivergent. It doesn't matter if they're neurotypical. It doesn't matter what color, what creed, what what gender none of that matters human beings have been having relationships for thousands of years and as long as you treat each other like people you'll be fine but then you will have a quirkier existence with a neurodivergent because we are and i'm tooting my own horn but that's fine because i'm neurodivergent why shouldn't i be on you know biased we are very interesting people to know (laughs) we are fun in a very uh, outlandish way, we can surprise you. And who wouldn't want a fun relationship? I married a neurodivergent. I love it every day. Right. It's like one of those things where you're like, okay, so just because someone has neurodivergence in the relationship doesn't mean that the relationship is going to be any less fun. Or yeah. just because I have neurodivergence doesn't mean you need to treat me differently. I'm not a werewolf. Right. I'm a person with a weird brain. That's yeah. all. Like you I, didn't I, marry a leper. <laughs> I just have trouble with certain things, and we adapt. Right. That's the whole yeah. point. So the, those are the the different things that you know I think about when you know we bring this co- type of conversation up. And like I've been with my wife for ten years. Right. Like, it's evolved. Things have changed, but in a good way, right? Like, it, it's one of those things where we we laugh at some of the silly things that I do because, you know, like, I'll forget my keys or I won't, you know, my wallet. And she'll be like, again? Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of look at me. And not even in a, in a bad way, just in a, in a puzzled, inquisitive look and go, didn't you just put it over there? And it's one of those things where you just giggle because you're like, yep. And I forgot just as quick as I remembered putting it there. Thing is we're on this journey, my wife and I like figuring out the ADHD and stuff. And now it's become sort of a joke in the house of like, um, the other day, like I made her a drink or whatever, and I forgot to bring the drink out of the kitchen and into the lounge. And she's like, do you think maybe you have ADHD? Do you think, do you think maybe you should see a doctor? Cause you might have ADHD. It just becomes this like running joke. Like, we'll do something silly or forget something or lose something. And you'll go, well, must be ADHD then. <laughs> so, it's like, if you, if you can keep your relationship light 
and you can sort of love each other with that level of respect and humor, you're going to do fine. You're going to go far, you know? Absolutely. And it's funny because the other day it was the same type of situation for us too. Um, <laughs> I went to the kitchen to grab a snack and my wife asked me, Hey, when you come back, do you mind just bringing me a bottle of water? I said, yeah, no problem. Absolutely. You know, with the, the most conviction I've ever had and yep. I will absolutely bring that back. That turned into a side quest. <laughs> and I completely forgot about it until I came back in the bedroom. I had my snack and she went, do you have ADHD? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, wait, what, what did I forget? And, she, and then I was like, oh, water. Oh, my God. So then I ran and grabbed the water and came back. Yeah, like it, it's those things that it's just it's quirky, right? Like those mm. kind of things happen. And it's something that I struggle with sometimes where it's like, don't use that as an excuse. Yes. Yeah, it's not, I'm not excusing shoddy behavior. And I'm not right. going to say that the ADHD is solely responsible for the choices I've made. Yeah. But be mindful that I forget things or I lose track of time or I uh, run off on conversations that don't seem connected. Right. That's not, I'm not doing it maliciously, but I also won't sit here and go, oh, well, you know, let me off the hook because it's ADHD. Like, no, right. I mean, you you are aware of what I am. Yeah, like I'm an I imperfect person. Like, yeah. so I, I can fully admit that, like, you know, I've definitely used it as an excuse before and I'm trying oh, yeah. to do better every day at that because that's not the point, right? I'm not use, I'm not trying to use ADHD as an excuse for forgetting things, but more as a reminder that, like, hey, sometimes I might forget things, but... You know, we definitely we definitely work on it all the time, and like the simple change of routine that I've had over the last month, and we talked about it on one of my videos and one of my TikToks. Like the simple change of routine to make sure that I'm doing certain things every day has made my life so much better already in the last month than I've had my whole rest of my adult life. Like, I struggled with stupid shit like dishes and laundry for the longest time because it's one of those things, set it and forget it. You don't remember it, it's gone, right? Like, you just lose it. And actually, there was a theory that I listened to that explained how I visualize inside my head how things get filed away that I laughed hysterically at and thought I would share is like, okay, so in my head, there's a bunch of shelves, and in those shelves, there's a bunch of boxes and all of my memories and all of my tasks get filed in these shelves. However, if I'm not prepared to receive that task or I'm not prepared to digest that particular information, there's a trash bin right beside that shelf. And if I wasn't prepared and didn't write it down or I don't, didn't remember that certain detail, it gets thrown in that trash bin instead of filed away in that shelf and it never comes back. So like, it's one of those things where I have to, I, to explain it to somebody in a visual manner where they would understand like how I process. It, it was one of the most enlightening visuals that I've been able to provide to somebody. Um, and even to another neurodivergent that just didn't understand how their brain worked. And I said, yeah. listen, is this how it works for you? And I explained that to them. And they went, holy shit, 
that's exactly how my brain works. And I went, see, now you understand it, but now you can visualize it and help yourself with those certain things. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think that's awesome is that like, you just have to learn more about it to really help yourself. Mm, absolutely. But yeah, like that's the thing you like, you talked, you, you hit on it is like the relationship just, it's not because of ADHD that it's hard. It's just, a relationship and relationships can be hard it's just the way it is right and that's the growth the development and you know the adaptation of of your relationship as it grows it could go in multitude of different ways and no one will ever know how a relationship will you know will flourish or process or change but yeah. the way you react and the way that you learn is things that will that will help that continue to flourish Let's get into segment three of episode two. And this one, I feel like, will probably be a little bit of a bigger one because it's 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 a big topic, and I think me and Greg are pretty passionate about this one. So this, this will get interesting. <laughs> Ending the war between neurodivergence and neurotypical people. So when, we, when I say that, what comes to your mind right away when I, when I say that? I think I, I instantly get annoyed. <laughs> but I think it's because it, it, it's sort of the, the human leaning towards conflict for the sake of... Let me put it this way. When you're a kid, you, you're born knowing nothing. That's, that's the point, right? Uh, what's a tabula, tabula rasa? You're a blank slate, right? Mm -hmm. And you will be taught first by your parents and then by your surroundings, what to believe and what to know, right? And you're going to say in it, that's, that's the tribe you were born into. The problem is that it seems that the, the further and further away from ancient living like we used to, the more we try and, put, we try and get put into boxes, right? And it's always lines in the sand. You are these things, which means you have to dislike those things. Um, why? In Like, what the f... So I think, for me, I think... Uh, I, so I grew, I grew up in, in post-apartheid South Africa. So we'd just come out of that, and we were, go we were becoming the rainbow nation, the forward-thinking, the, the healing the race war of the past. And I was born into that. Like, right. I, I didn't know about the race war, and they barely taught it. Like I, I knew that everybody wanted to love each other. So that made perfect sense to me, right? Surrounded by people of different colors, different creeds, different languages, different backgrounds. And I'm having the time of my life, right? Mm -hmm. But as I get older, I'm starting to see that I'm supposed, I'm supposed to dislike certain people. And because it was the 90s, I'm supposed to dislike, okay, because it was 90s South Africa, I'm supposed to be distrustful of black people. And I'm supposed to be... Um, grossed out by gay people and i'm supposed and i'm like what the fuck why does any of this matter we're the same species right you are literally other people <laughs> like why why do i suddenly have to come up with some idea as to why i should hate you why that's fucking dumb so when the neurodivergent neurotypical argument comes up i'm just like god oh, we have done this same fight with different permutations for generations. What the hell are you doing? 
so I think it, it, it sort of comes out of this us versus them mentality. And then you start to hear people essentially say things like, yeah, yeah, but you know, it must be easy being a neurotypical because you don't have to worry about this, that, and the other. And you're like, yeah, they don't, but most of them love a neurodivergent of some kind. So they do have to care. And they're pretty adaptable because they're us. They're still people. Right. Yes. Neurotypicals don't have noisy brains. Their decision-making is a lot quicker than ours. They're not as impulsive. They're better with money. Okay, why are these bad things? These are good things. Right. But also, what we do is good in its own way. Impulsivity is hugely helpful. Hyperfocus is good. Yes, our time management sucks, but isn't that funny? Look at us all laughing together. Like It just became this whole thing of like, why are we... Why are we making them an enemy? Why are we yeah. making us an enemy? You know, like, what's the point of being against each other? Who, why, I didn't realize I had to sign up for a fucking team here, guys. I just wanted exactly. to live in the world. Yeah. We're just, we're, we're just all humans trying to get through right. what's going on, right? Especially these days. Like, there's so many other things to fucking worry about. Then, you know, then neurotypical versus neurodivergence and all this. There's fucking wars happening, real wars happening outside of us, you know, that are so much more dangerous and so mm -hmm. much more worrisome to the human race. Never mind just neurodivergence or neuro neurotypical. So, like, yeah, you're right. Like, what what does it really matter, you know, about these certain things that, you know, it's like, okay, well... I understand that I'm neurodivergent, but does that really change your view of me just because I have neurodivergence, right? Like, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. It's it's far time that we we just I don't I don't like using the word cast aside, but really cast it aside, move it move it along, and just live your life. Be a kind person and love others. Don't spread hate. Well, that's the thing. So this, this occurs to me so often when these, these sorts of discussions come up and, and discussions about real wars and, mm -hmm. and that kind of things. Like, so borders, religions, uh, genders, races, uh, class war, uh, politics. Guys, we made it up. Mm -hmm. We made it all up. Everything that exists is made up. The rules that govern society are invented. We can change them. Right. <laughs> I don't know who I don't know who they're worried is going to be angry if they change the rules. Like if government decided, you know what, we don't need a class war, we don't need a politics war. We can all be decent and and love each other and care about each other and carry on and and go to space and invent great big beautiful impressive things. We could do all of that. We just won't. Why? Who's right. going to be mad about that? There's no one else. Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into an argument about religion or, right. or faith or, or or God or whatever, but mm -hmm. as it stands, the highest power that we need to answer to is us. Yes. We made it all up, guys. We can adjust any of it. We can literally change the rules everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yes, many people are trying, not as many as we think. A bunch of bad people are trying to change the rules to benefit them. Right. But essentially, we could just change it all. Mm -hmm. Money, we made it up. Yeah, uh, billionaires. We made them up. What what All happened before money existed? We still lived. We still lived. We used to trade. 
Yep. We traded something, whatever that something was, we could oh, do that here. again. We take this nothing. rock, you know, take this <laughs> rock and I'll, I'll trade you for that, you know, spear, whatever. Right. Like it, it's so it, that's the thing that really annoys me is like s- far simpler times brought on this. Like somebody at some point was like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Let's create borders. Let's segregate. Let's build cities and, you know, lock them down. Like, why? Why was that necessary at all? Like, I understand cultures are different and things like that, but we can all still live together. Hell, in most big cities, a lot of cultures do live together, right? Like, harmoniously. You, you, look at, you look at a city like here in Canada, at, like Toronto. There is so many different cultures in Toronto, and they, for the most part, all live fine. It's those, it's those outliers that don't want to follow the rules that ruin it for everybody else, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's that whole aspect of, well, I have the power now. Do you really, though? Do you really have the power? Because us as a people could definitely change that. Yeah. power for you right you know what i mean because like you you talk about even like presidents and things like that it's like okay well like that only exists because we said it would because we made it up right like we made it up in our mm-hmm. minds and we we're like okay we need a president but do we really you know like so many different things and there was a, yeah. a neil degrasse tyson quote he said I, th- I think i got this right he says we use uh pretty pictures on paper to buy a book that will allow us to cross invisible lines to meet other people from our species. The entire concept is ridiculous. And yet we have done it for generations. And that's the thing. I think when it comes to like these big wars and stuff, not only is it important to remember that the war is not as like these class wars are not as bad as you think they are. They want you to think they're much, much worse. Right. But I will also not take away from the fact that in t- at times they are very bad mm-hmm. and very realistic. Um, you know, the incidences at Charlottesville in America and, and various uh, horrific things that have happened to people of uh, trans people and gay people and women and people of color and, and mm-hmm. so on. Um, but it is important in those moments to know that for the most part, Many of us don't want that. We have never wanted that. We never will want that. Right. And it, it becomes important, like you say, when these people say, I have all the power, and you're like, yeah, but we have all the people. Mm-hmm. So if we wanted, if we desperately really wanted you to not have that power anymore in the nicest way without starting any fights, we could change that mm-hmm. because we made it up. <laughs> exactly. And it's so important to remember that when people go off about like, you know, you read these things in the news, the the boring stuff where people talk about, oh, national debt, and oh, we don't have enough money for this, that, and the other. And you're like, yeah, but you made you made it up. You <laughs> made up the money concept. If you wanted to change that, you actually could, because you have in the past. Right. Like this entire human society is very fluid. We just keep being told that it isn't. Like, oh, the whole infrastructure will collapse. You're like, why? There's there's no rigidity here. This is not it's not a bridge. Right. If we pull this brick out here and put it here, nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna collapse. But some human beings might have a much, much better time. Right. 
for me it's it's the it's the mathematical element of it they're like uh we don't have the budget for this you know healthcare let's say but that guy just spent 44 billion on buying something that is basically ones and zeros why does he need all that like like he can buy whatever the fuck he wants i don't really care about that but why does he need that many numbers couldn't he he's never going to spend all of that just give the numbers to someone else or in in that case give the numbers to like 400 other things and we won't have a money problem anymore mm-hmm. and that's i think that's always been a thing for me is like your your concepts are collapsing in on their own stupidity you are you're inventing conflict to drive policies that give you money mm-hmm. like what or, or you could just do none of that and literally spend your time doing anything else like go read a book for fuck's sake you, know? <laughs> like, you don't yeah. you don't have to sit here making drama and then telling neurotypicals and neurodivergents they're not supposed to like each other when you could just literally go for a walk it would take less effort just just stop actively trying to be a dickwad and everything will be fine absolutely so i think that that's the thing with that question is like there isn't a war trust me we are not fighting whether people want to convince you of that or not your neurotype does not define which side of the line you sit on you are a brain trying to understand a brain mm-hmm. you're literally a mushy pink thing <laughs> running a body trying to live no neurodivergents are angry at you and no neurotypicals are trying to hurt you you know what i mean like our neurotype doesn't define the choices we make yeah we are more than just a neurotype right. and uh i know we ran off on a tangent on that one but i think it's important that the, if somebody is telling you that they think less of you because you're neurodivergent the simplest and and best thing to do is to walk away mm-hmm. because there are plenty of other neurodivergents and neurotypicals who will give you a great big hug and say hey man do you want a cup of coffee yep don't let it don't let it ruin you because of one person or one group of people that doesn't understand you Mm. just move on just don't let it bother you i know i know it's hard sometimes because we are very dysregulated with our emotions sometimes and have a really hard time processing those things but if you can if you can push through and say you know what i'm not gonna let that define me and i'm not gonna let it affect me I'll process it. I, I always say I'm going to process it for five minutes and then I'm fucking off. I yeah. just, I'll let it process and I'll kind of say like, okay, this is how I feel right now. And then I'm angry and then I'll walk away from it and say, okay, I'm not angry anymore. I'm just, I'm not thinking about it anymore. Right? Like it's, it's one of those things where you just need to move on and think about the more important things in life. Right? Yeah. Think, think about the things that you care about and want to improve like your career, your health, and things like that, right? Like, worry about those things. Well, Greg, that was another really great episode of Mind Master Education. I'm, again, super thankful for having you on, and I look forward to talking to you for episode three. That's going great.